Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Amazon's latest HQ2 headaches and another episode of Trump versus the Fed. But first, no more Mr. Moonves. When Les Moonves stepped down as CBS's chairman and CEO in September, after lots of allegations of sexual misconduct, he was said to be in line for a severance package of around $120 million. But that was only pending the results of an independent investigation into his conduct, and suffice it to say, it didn't quite go his way. So CBS yesterday announced it's going to hold on to the $120 million, basically determining that there were grounds to terminate Moonvest for cause, not only for the awful things he's said to have done to women at CBS, but also for his, quote, willful failure to cooperate fully with the company's investigation, end quote. So of all the media titans deservedly felled by the Me Too movement, Moonves is arguably the biggest. Remember, he took a perennial third place network and turned it into the top dog, thanks to shows like CSI and Big Bang Theory, and also showed a pretty deft hand in the streaming space, at least compared to his rivals. But none of that was enough to save him or his money. And CBS still has an enormous amount of work to regain the trust of employees, shareholders, advertisers, and audience. Remember, it was just last week that we learned of yet another sexual harassment scandal there. This one involving an actor who still actually remains the title character of a CBS drama. So in short, consider this to be a bit of a cliffhanger. In 25 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. But first, this. Every day, about 20 million questions are answered on SurveyMonkey. And those answers help people around the world be better at their jobs, whether they want to improve their customer experience, recruit and retain a stellar workforce, or learn which ideas, products, or campaigns will be a winner. Find out why 98% of the Fortune 500 trust SurveyMonkey. Visit surveymonkey.com slash prorata today. We're joined now by Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. So Sarah, there's that old phrase about the cover-up being worse than the crime. And and in the case of Les Moonves, the crimes themselves obviously were awful, but it seems the board was really focused on kind of the evasion and other stuff that came up during the investigation. That's right. I mean, they said that one of the problems here was that he was trying to be evasive and untruthful with the lawyers conducting the investigation. You'll recall a few weeks ago that there were reports that Les Moonves had handed in his son's iPad as opposed to his own iPad (laughs) to be inspected. These are the types of tactics that, to your point, make the cover-up in some cases not worse than the crime, but the bigger thing that brought him down. And I hate to put you in the mind of Les Moonves, but but let me ask, because there's two ways you can read this, which is one, that he is trying to cover up things he knows he did wrong. And the second is he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Do you have a sense on on what you think kind of his mentality is here? He knows he did something wrong if he's being evasive to lawmakers and he's lying about his conduct and trying to cover it up. And he knows he did something wrong because there is a nationwide movement against the sexual harassment of women that's brought down many of his colleagues in the media world. So he knows he did something wrong. He tried to, quite frankly, save his legacy and it just didn't work. You and I had a conversation when after the allegations came out, when Moonves was still CEO of the company before he had been fired, and he did the earnings call that day. And he didn't take questions on the sexual harassment (laughs) stuff, but he did the earnings call. And I know the board has been reconstituted a bit since then, but what kind of blame from your perspective falls on kind of the CBS board, not only keeping him in place at the time and and keeping him as the the public face of the company, but also this broader culture at CBS, because Moonves is only a 
part of what's gone wrong there. That's right. I mean, one can only assume that the board had knowledge of the fact that there was a sexual harassment cultural problem at CBS, given the number of executives that have been implicated in the Me Too scandal over the past year. You look at Jeff Fager, the legendary producer of 60 Minutes, Charlie Rose, the legendary host, and its own CEO and chairman, Les Moonves. It's hard to believe that the board that was initially reviewing some of these complaints and the board that quite frankly, was on that earnings call, had no idea. And so to see now that the new board is the one that's taken action that said that Los Moonves is fired without his entire $120 million severance suggests that there was some sort of negligence in what happened with the old board. There's been a suggestion that if this had gone the other way, that if Moonves had either gotten 120 or, or a substantial piece of it, that it would have caused serious problems for CBS in terms of everything from talent to advertising. Do you buy that? Would CBS have actually outside of the money it would have paid Moonves, would it have paid a business cost had it not gone this way? Oh, absolutely. And that's something that lawyers had cited when this decision came out yesterday, which is that there's enormous opportunity cost for the company. It makes it harder, quite frankly, for their HR department to function properly if people don't feel as though they can come forward with things. Did you read the report the other day about Eliza Dushko, yeah. who came out and said that she had a sexual harassment problem with CBS? And they settled confidentially until you know the story came out the other day. Exactly. You're creating a narrative publicly, which makes it hard to lure talent. Les Moonves technically can still fight for his money. Do we have reason to think that he will indeed try to get at least some of that $120 million? We have no reason to think that. It would be a fool's errand if he did. It seems as though he doesn't have much of a shot of getting much of that money back. And quite frankly, he suffered so much reputational damage that for him to try to push back against this would just make it even worse. Before these allegations originally came out leading to the situation we're talking about today, there was all sorts of talk in the business press about there being a merger between CBS and Viacom. Now that Moonves is officially completely out of the picture, what's the future potentially of that sort of combination? I mean, it makes it more likely because we know that Les Moonves clashed with Sherry Redstone, who is the majority stakeholder in CBS, as well as CBS's former sister company, Viacom. And so only time will tell. I mean, the other thing, too, and that's, this is something that some analysts are arguing, is that Moonves, along with his deputy, Joe Anello, were trying hard to paint a picture for investors that CBS was really sort of a company that was going to be okay standalone. They touted their streaming successes, and they've had a lot of them compared to other their networks. But now that there's a new board, and quite frankly, there's more C-suite shakeups. Remember, Gil Schwartz is out, CBS's communications chief. It seems that they might not have as many people kind of telling that big story. And it might Although be- Although Ianello is still there. I mean, he's, he's acting CEO. D- does he get the job full time, do you think? Only time will tell. I don't want to definitively say that he will, though, because he was Les Moonves' guy, right? So if you want to make sure that you're changing the guard to have him become CEO full time, I don't know that you're sending that message. So what does this mean? It means that a merger with Viacom doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but it's more likely. So one big question for CBS solved. Les Moonves doesn't get his $120 million. Other big questions remain. Sarah Fisher, media reporter for Axios, thanks so much for joining us. My final two right after this. An exciting new idea can change your business for the better. But did you know 95% of the 30,000 new products launched each year will fail? SurveyMonkey can help make sure this doesn't happen to you. Get feedback on your big ideas from your employees, customers, or prospects. To learn more, visit surveymonkey.com slash prorata today. 
Now it's time for my final two. And first up is growing criticism surrounding Amazon's HQ2 decisions, which will result in a pair of giant new white collar facilities in Queens, New York and Northern Virginia, plus a new operations center in Nashville, Tennessee. So as Dave McCabe and Erica Pandy reported Axios this morning, the complaints are primarily coming from the grassroots, community organizations that have big questions about how the new Amazon presence will affect everything from transportation to housing. But they're also coming from local elected officials, such as the New York City Council and incoming congressional star Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The big issue here is how the entire process was so shrouded in secrecy and seemingly finalized before either community members or their elected representatives had a chance to weigh in. Plus, it doesn't help that Google keeps planning giant new urban facilities without asking for any public monies, and Apple is receiving a relatively small amount of tax breaks for its recently announced investment in Austin, Texas. The bottom line here is none of the complaints are likely to affect Amazon's moving plans, but it sure will if and when the tech giant plans to expand again, which it will. And perhaps it could even cause some policy changes that create more transparency overall on corporate tax breaks going forward. Finally, the Federal Reserve later today is expected to boost benchmark interest rates a bit, and President Trump is again upset about it, at least judging by his flurry of tweets. So two big things to remember. First, while there are economists on both sides of hiking rates, everyone agrees that even an aggressive bump still puts us way below historic norms. Second, it's got to be stressed how not normal it is for the U.S. president to be seeking to influence U.S. monetary policy. It basically means that everything the Fed now does will be viewed through a political lens rather than through an economic one. And that sort of distorted vision is only likely to worsen as the 2020 election gets closer. And we're done. And so am I for 2018, as Kim Hart will host for the rest of this week, and then we'll be off until January 2nd. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great rest of 2018. And I'll be back in 2019 with another Pro Rata Podcast.